Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with attorney Bill Alexander. Bill, you're just getting over a cold here, so uh, you know, but you're you're toughing it out, even though you know we've got the cooler weather here, so this is nice. Yeah, uh, well, I, I the good news is uh, I I was negative for COVID, but it still certainly made the weekend pretty yucky. Um, you know, I mean, I it it uh, I can't complain too much because there's a lot of other folks that are suffering a whole lot worse than I ever did this weekend. Uh, so it it is what it is. Uh, but my voice is a little weird this morning, and I apologize for that. But uh, you know, I can't can't help what is. Um, actually, what I wanted to uh, talk about this morning has to do uh, with uh, primarily with issues r- relating to getting older. <laughs> you know, for the for most of us anyway. I mean, actually, it's uh, always better than the alternative if you think about it. Uh, uh, it, it does have, it, it, and getting older has uh, good things about it, and it also has uh, some negatives that, that go with it. I mean, for me, uh, I've learned recently that I will be a grandfather for the first time. Congratulations. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's, um, you know, that that's a new era, uh, you know, uh, as the... Uh, you know the world turns and and uh, life changes for you and it's it's just uh, uh, the way the the world is supposed to be and it's sort of like yay finally uh, so um, uh, yeah that's uh, th- that's th- that's the good part uh, but but uh, uh, you, you know so many people think as as you get older and you retire. Life is the golden globe, and you get to travel the world and and uh, and be like you're 30 again, but without the obligations. And actually, the fact is, it's a whole lot lot tougher than uh, people really think. And until you get there, uh, you don't realize uh, it's it's not about a constant vacation. That that's for darn sure. Um, and uh, of course, COVID has restricted all of us in a big way, and and we're just now getting uh, to the point where uh, uh, most of us, and not all of us, but most of us are are comfortable getting out with some restrictions again, and that that that's a good thing. But uh, anyway, what did I wanted to talk about? And of course, this has to do with estate uh, planning and the need for it. Uh, no question, it all relates to that if you get right back down to it. But estate planning is life planning. And it's not all about what's, what you do for the next generation or two. Uh, it's, it is how do we take care of ourselves and one of the toughest times, I think, for folks um, is when they lose their spouse. Uh, you know, oftentimes people are married for 30, 40, 50, 60, and sometimes 70 years. And then it's like 
there without their partner. And it's like, okay, um, what's left in life? And uh, obviously the answer depends a whole lot on when that happens, and that's something that we don't control. Um, and so, uh, and I, no, I, I don't want to talk about the legal requirements. You know, that uh, is something you, sure, uh, you go... Uh, normally, uh, you get some assistance from an attorney and, and you get the things done that you need to do. But the fact is, is that there's so many other things that are important. And, and I guess, um, I, and so some of the things that I will mention this morning are things that people should know, but it's always good to be reminded Um and, of course, the first thing is to um, sit back, chill, make no major decisions. Um, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, at first it's all about um, uh, just resolving to move forward, but to uh, not make decisions quickly in terms of what what you're going to do with yourself or the, the things um, and of course big part a big part of the problem is getting a handle on all of the things that you didn't know I, I think we could probably do a, a session or two on what I wish I had known uh, you know, before my spouse actually passed away, I sure wish they had uh, shared that with me. Uh, you know, that that's that sort of thing, because oftentimes you have to embrace things that you have never had to deal with before. Um, it can be a, a, a particular problem for a spouse who's never had to deal with finances before, uh, but, of course, if you're the spouse who's always dealt with the finances, then there's other things that your spouse took care of that you didn't that now you have to figure out how to do. So there's, uh, you know, there's always, always things uh, that uh, we have to uh, get a uh, handle on. And initially, uh, it, it's a time uh, over a period of time, and that period of time for most people is three months to a year uh, to, to get refocused, but to do it slowly, you know, not be pushed to make quick decisions, um, you know, and, and sometimes those quick decisions are, well, you need to sell your house and, and downsize, or you need to move here, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. Uh, or you need to invest in this, or you need to, you know, those kinds of things. You basically need to temper and just say, I'm not going to make those decisions yet. I'm going to sort of figure things out and chill out for a while and and um, get myself refocused. That, that, I think, is tough. But, it, you know, obviously when you lose your spouse, that's a pretty tough time in, in your life. The stress of it is difficult. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it, it is the kind of thing where if, if you have family that you can embrace, you know, that kind of thing, it, it's really helpful. But it's also helpful 
not to fall into a, a period of loneliness and depression. You know, it's important to try to uh, continue to do the activities that you have uh, done for the last number of years, uh, to see people that you would normally see, you know, to, to continue to get out. Uh, because what you don't want to do is to fall into a period of loneliness. Uh, and that can lead, of course, to depression, which is even worse. Um, but the fact is, is that when you lose your spouse, sometimes you feel isolated. And, it, it, you know, if you can't drive, then then that isolation becomes even worse. And so it's the kind of thing where there are lots of things that need to be considered, uh, but the the biggest one is take care of yourself. And uh, for, uh, for, for a lot of folks, it's like, okay, what, what are the little things that we can focus on and what are the small steps that we can take? You know, I, I said earlier, and I think all advisors say, make no big decisions quickly. And I think that's really important. But that doesn't mean to make no decisions. I mean, you got to take some small steps for yourself. And part of that is just, you know, eating right, taking your meds, getting out, maybe walking every day, uh, doing something for yourself. Uh, and and getting a routine going for yourself that those kinds of uh, things help while you're while you're trying to uh, refocus your life. Um, I mean the the uh, if you get right down to it, uh, what's what, you know what's the goal? The goal is to find zest in your life. Uh, you know that's that's the real goal. And it's it's a little bit different from when you retire. You know, the fact is, when you retire, you better have a plan. Uh, you know, and, and it's it's not that you're just going to watch football, or you know those kind of things, or you're going to play golf every day. But the fact is, you really do have to have a plan on. Okay, how am I going to refocus my life out without having that working life that I've had for many, many years? And that's a huge, huge change. But when you lose your spouse, you have a similar huge change where you have to refocus and rebalance, and and that's a, a very, very important thing. So anyway. Um, I want to talk about some of the issues in getting things rebalanced. Well, we will get to that discussion. And, you know, this is something, as you said, it's very important to take care of yourself and make sure that you're taking those small steps to put yourself in the best direction. And don't forget, if you want to find more information about Bill, you can head on over to WGALaw.com. Hey, Bill has a new set of webinars coming up on Wednesday, October 12th. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning. This is a wonderful free educational opportunity for you. Head on over to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. That's where you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. That's also where you can find information about Bill's free webinars. He does these the second Wednesday of every month. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, or if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, that's a wonderful start for you. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking all about uh, what happens after we lose a spouse, lose a loved one. And, you know, we started out talking about step one is making sure you're taking care of yourself. Well, no question. And, and of course, uh, all of us are different. We're unique human beings. We enjoy different things. I mean, that's what part of what makes us uh, human. Um, and, of course, uh, obviously the answers for people will often be based on age. Uh, and age is not necessarily a number. It's attitude. And it's also health. And so uh, some, uh, oftentimes when people lose a spouse, uh, they can't get things done for themselves. And, and it's because of their age and health. They're frail. They're, their spouse used to do a lot of things for them to, to get by each day. And for those folks who need assistance because they've lost a spouse, then uh, uh, you know, so, uh, oftentimes you can get that assistance either with family or um, w- with home care agencies, at least initially. Uh, a lot of folks can't afford to do that for very long. But at the same time, when you need some assistance, one thing that I talk to folks about uh, frequently is the fact that they should look into independent living communities. Now, you have I'm not saying assisted living, even though I've said you're frail, you're getting up there in age, your spouse used to do lots of things for you because you needed some assistance. You can get assistance in many independent living communities and still have independence. But one of the advantages is that it takes away a lot of the things that living in a home requires, such as having the home clean and preparing meals and having the yard taken care of and um, all of the other things with, with your pets or other things. Most independent living communities allow you to have one pet allow you to have a vehicle if you can still drive. Uh, so there's issues there. But then, okay, so uh, now, if, if you need a lot of help, then maybe assisted living. Um, can you afford those kinds of things? Many people can. And, and you have to realize that not all independent living or assisted living communities are alike. They're not all outrageously expensive. There are many, particularly in this area, that are very expensive, but there are also many of them, a number of them, that are very modestly priced. 
And so it's really a matter of visiting and seeing if, if you think you can fit in and uh, and uh, can afford. And, and quite frankly, more people can afford it than realize that they can afford it. There are many places that are very affordable. And quite frankly, sometimes it's less expensive to actually move to an independent living community than it is to stay in your home. And that's uh, particularly if you need assistance. One of the things that so many folks don't realize is that if you need assistance in your home, and one of the knee-jerk reactions for so many people is, I want to stay at my home. This is where I've lived for the last 25 or 50 years. And I don't, uh, I, I don't want to leave it. I feel comfortable here. I get that. But the fact is, it, when people come to you and you hire a home care agency to do it, those agencies generally have a three or four hour minimum. So even if you only need assistance for 30 or 40 minutes in the morning, you're going to get charged for three or four hours of assistance, even if the person is there and does very little after the first 30 minutes. So because of, there are an awful lot of folks who they only really need a little bit of help in the morning and a little bit of help in the evening, and otherwise they're, they're perfectly good to go. Now, everybody's different, but what I'm getting at is if it costs you 100 to $150 every time somebody shows up your door to help you a little bit, you can't afford that very long. Well, if you're getting that same assistance while living independently in an independent living community, those folks have workers there all the time that are going from one to the next, so you're only getting charged for the time they spend with you. And so instead of it costing you $100 or $150, it might only cost you $20 every time somebody comes by and helps you with your medication or helps you get dressed or helps you get down in the evening or something like that. So that's where the economies actually assist. Now, okay, that's the folks who have those kind of needs. What if you don't have those kind of needs? Well, can you stay at home? Of course you can, but should you? That's, you know, now a lot of folks think, oh, well, this is my opportunity to move to the beach or this is my opportunity to move uh, where the grandchildren are. You know, the, 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 the one thing that m most people should be cautioned about is when the children come and say, Mom, come, come live with us or Dad, come live with us, uh, you know, in three states away, that's where you need to, to step back and say, hmm, don't know about that. Because what, what folks don't realize is when you move in with your children, and for some folks that is exactly what they should do. This is why it, these, that's a major decision, not a minor one. It's not a small step. Is the fact that you're, that's when that family unit becomes your whole life because you're going to a new community where you have no friends, you have no community, no church, no pastor, uh, no golfing buddies, no, you know, the frankly, you have no one but that family. And so, and, and that family's not going to be ready for that kind of responsibility either. I mean, they're glad you're there and they're, they'll help you with this and that. But in terms of making you happy about being there, 
that that's less true. And and quite frankly, most of us would rather not be a burden on our family uh, and have our own social life and and find our own way to to have our own life. And in many ways, for most people, it's a much more positive experience as a senior to have our own life rather than to be dependent upon any one of our children. Um, And so that is a really, really important factor. But here's the thing. It really comes down to you and you personally. Some folks like being alone. They want their privacy. Uh, They enjoy reading all the time. They, they don't really enjoy conversations with other people. They like being alone. And if you're one of those, you know, an independent living community may not be for you. Staying put may be the right decision, particularly if you're safe. And staying at home, even if you're getting older and frailer, can be accomplished. Your children can come in and put in a security system pointed inward so that they can check in on you and, and, and uh, you know have a camera in your living room and make sure there's a place between your bed and the bathroom where they know you're not on the floor. You know, those kind of things with panic buttons, and there are ways to accommodate that as well. But the, the bottom line is, is that most people aren't that way. Most people like privacy occasionally, but they also like companionship. They uh, enjoy being around other people. And if you're isolated at home, being at home may be the worst thing for you. And that's, again, where a different kind of community, and I'm not talking about moving in with your children, I'm talking about moving to an independent living community or a different type of community where you're around other people, can socialize, have activities, uh, and there are different kinds of communities that offer that. So those are the kind of things that are really, really important to people, in my opinion. It's a big decision and one, as you said, you don't want to rush. You know, you really want to think it out and find the situation that's going to work out best for you and making sure that you're at your happiest and most content because that will also lead to you being at your healthiest as well. If you want to learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him or learn more about his webinars, head on over to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. As I said, you can go there to find information about Bill's free webinars. He does these the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, October 12th. If you want to learn more about financial assistance that may be available for you to cover the costs of uh, the extraordinary costs of long-term care, you can learn more about Medicaid and veterans benefits that may be available to you. You need to register because it's a wonderful free opportunity for you. There's no cost associated with these webinars. It's just a highly educational opportunity for you to learn about some pretty difficult waters to navigate from Bill, and he's able to put that in a way that's easy to understand. Head on over to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button to register for free, or you can also call the office. The phone number is 919 7,000, 919 
7,000. A short break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking this show about what goes into losing a spouse and some things that we probably need to be reminded of when dealing with that situation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's... Uh, now let's go into the next scenario, which I think is important. I mean, we've we've given ourselves time, we've refocused, we've gotten ourselves in a much better place uh, over time, uh, and uh, we're still out there, we're still enjoying, uh, and we've met someone that we're really into, uh, you know, that there's a really good bond, good relationship. And so the question for many seniors is, okay, how do we deal with this new relationship? Um, And uh, it's an intimate relationship. And the question is, uh, do we get married? You know, we have children by, both of us have children by previous marriages. Um, Do we think marriage is the right thing for us? Or do we just enjoy each other, even live together without marriage? And quite frankly, there are many, many, many seniors today that are choosing to uh, basically live together, to be together, uh, to have a commitment, but not a marriage. And there are actually, there are pros and cons uh, both ways. And, and so um, obviously it takes two very committed people to uh, want to, re, to, to get into a remarriage, but remarriage is very common as well. And uh, I would be the very first to say that if you have children by previous marriage, then a remarriage should always require a prenuptial agreement or a pre-marriage agreement. And uh, why is that? Well, there are some legal reasons and there's some psychological reasons, family dynamic reasons. But the fact is, is if you don't have a prenuptial agreement, then your new spouse had, regardless of your intentions, regardless of whether you decide to keep all your property separate or you commingle some, whether you buy a house together, whether you don't, the fact is that um, there is a right of inheritance that you have from your spouse. If if you do not have a prenuptial agreement, then your new spouse has the absolute right to inherit from you. Now, that doesn't mean they have the right to inherit everything from you, but they have the right to inherit a bunch, if not a substantial part of your um, uh, estate at your death. Now, quite frankly, 
if you have children, the psychological part is if you don't have a prenup, how can you expect your children to embrace this new spouse that they will consider a gold digger? That's uh, quite apparent. And it would be very difficult uh, for your children to actually think well of a new spouse when there's not a prenuptial agreement, whereas the spouse isn't necessarily a threat to the children's inheritance if there's a prenuptial agreement. Now, the truth is that's not absolutely true because even if you have a prenuptial agreement, you can still leave your new spouse as much or as little as you want to. It's really up to you how much or how little you do for that new spouse if you have a well-drafted prenuptial agreement. But the fact is that's exactly what you should do when you're a senior contemplating uh, a remarriage scenario. What are some of the um, situations that marriage versus non-marriage does for you, prenup or not? Well, obviously, if there's a disparity of income, in other words, one spouse or one partner has much more Social Security income than the other. Well, frankly, if if it's the uh, the person who's older, more likely to die first, has high Social Security income, and the other one not, one of the benefits of marriage would be that the partner will get the higher Social Security benefit. So that could be huge. So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a husband who remarries a, a woman that is uh, 10 years younger and healthy and you know they have a very happy relationship and his social security income is $3500 a month and her social security income is $1500 a month now she may have far more wealth and things like that that's that that's um, not the issue here but the fact is, is that it's far more likely he will die first. And if they are married at, now, at death, then she would receive his $3,500 a month of income and drop her $1,500. So it would mean $2,000 more per month to her at his death. Uh, and it doesn't cost them anything, doesn't cost the children anything for that benefit to take place. Uh, and, okay, so what might be some of the other benefits? Well, the fact is, is that w- when there's disparity of income, then uh, a marriage would high, very likely reduce the income tax rate for the couple uh, than if you're single, because at least one of the things that I always take my clients through is the fact that in the majority of cases, when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse ends up in a higher tax bracket. And so now the bottom line is when you think about that, is that um, a remarriage would, and it doesn't matter whether there's a prenup, the income, you know, the IRS doesn't care about a prenup. So the fact is, is that a remarriage often will reduce 
that income tax bracket. And there's another tax that so many people don't think about, and that's how much you pay for your Medicare premium inside your Social Security benefit. And the fact is, if you have fairly high income, then you pay IRMAs, I-R-M-A-A, IRMAs, which is a premium where you pay extra. So the typical uh, Social Security Medicare payment each month is $170.10. Well, if your income is higher, you could be paying over $400 a month for, you know, Miss Irma, if you will. Uh, she, she's that witchy aunt that takes your money away. So the fact is that uh, Irma's are far worse for single people than for married people. It's a disconnect in the Social Security Code. It's really screwed up. Uh, it's not equal like the tax code. And so, the frankly, uh, single folks with higher income get screwed on IRMAs more so than higher incomes of married couples. And so there's a savings there on your Social Security it, uh, on the IRMA side if, if you're married and, and uh, have higher income. Oftentimes, uh, a, a marriage can actually um, uh, take you back down to the basic Social Security amount because you're married, simply because of the way the IRMA brackets are created. And if you don't believe me, look at the, you know, Google it for the IRMA brackets, if you will. Uh, it's it's really uh, crazy how that how how that happens. Um, and so, uh, obviously, there can be some, and there can be income tax benefits. There can be IRMA benefits. There can be um, uh, social security increase benefits uh, with a marriage. Um, now. On the other hand, if um, uh, if both partners have similar incomes, uh, similar social securities, those kinds of things, then marriage may not actually have any significant benefit one way or the other. Then it really comes down to love and commitment and and those kind of issues outside the the financial. Uh, realm of benefits uh, uh, or, or not. So that that makes a big difference. Um, and I guess lastly, uh, one of the the you know from for me in terms of trying to make a major decision in terms of a marriage versus non-marriage partnership type of thing is that you know those kind of things are easy uh, while everything is while the sky is blue and everybody's relatively healthy and we're we're traveling and and we're enjoying life together and those kinds of things but the fact is we're older and guess what our bodies don't work as well and we're getting more frail and we're getting sick and you know that that's that tough part about getting older 
because uh, we don't know when things are going to go to the bad way. You know, that's the fact. And for some of us, it happens much earlier uh, than others. And, and so one of the key factors, I think, in terms of, re, you know, just throw out all the stuff about money and, and benefits and all that other stuff, uh, a real key is what will you do if your companion goes downhill significantly, needs a lot of assistance uh, that that you would be expected to provide as a spouse. Obviously, people who've been through it with one spouse, they know how hard that is. It's, it is a huge commitment uh, that most people would never want to go through again. Uh, some folks, I can't say that, some folks have that ability and would want to. But the fact is, I think that's the discriminator in a lot of ways, particularly depending on how old we are, regardless of how much we enjoy being with each other. It's if, if our spouse went, or our partner, I should say, would go downhill extremely badly, needs a lot of assistance, wants to stay at home, would you be committed to provide that care for them for as long as it takes? Or, on the other hand, would you want to cut ties? Would you want to make darn sure that your money's going to your children, you don't have any of that stuff to worry about? Well, to me, that would be a big discriminator in making a decision uh, of marriage versus partnership. And sometimes partnership is better. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that there are some, there are, uh, some um, things that uh, can help and in a financial way. And, but, you know, marriage isn't about finances necessarily. It's about love. It's about commitment. Uh, uh, and it's about companionship too. But par- partnership gives you much of that as well. So it's, it's like, which is better? I, I can't make that decision for you that's a biggie (laughs) it's a tough decision and there's a lot to consider and you know part of weighing in the factors on making such a decision would probably involve seeking counsel from an elder law attorney if you would like to get a hold of bill head on over to wgalaw.com that's where you can schedule an appointment to speak with bill that's where all you can also go to find more information about bill's free webinars if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning or learn more about long-term care assistance. That's a wonderful free opportunity for you to do so. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can find more information about Bill and also his free webinars. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with 
Bill Alexander, and we're talking all about things to consider after losing a spouse. And Bill, we've uh, gone over a lot so far, making sure we take care of ourselves, making sure we put a lot of thought into uh, considering where we're going to reside and also what we're going to do in terms of uh, maybe moving on and finding a new partner. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about gifting here. Well, you know, like I said, getting older is tough. And one of the things that, that uh, comes to mind for some folks is, it, it, you know, they... Um, they want their home or their farm to go to their child or children. And so one knee-jerk thing is, well, I, I want to go ahead and deed it to them while I'm alive. I want to make darn sure it gets to them. I don't want uh, Medicaid to take it away. I don't want uh, it to be tied up in my state. Uh, I want to be able to just go ahead and give it to them. Well, what I want folks to know is uh, if you go to your local real estate attorney and say, will you draft me a deed, a transfer in my home or my farm to my children? You know, generally speaking, it's no problem. It'll be X dollars and, you know, here it is. Sign here and we'll record it. Happens all the time. And more often than not, I'm in a position where I'm saying, we got to put it back. It, it was a huge mistake for you to do this. So don't ever do that without talking to an elder law attorney. Because quite frankly, uh, and even if you do a trust, if the trust is not done correctly, uh, it, it screws things up for your family. Uh, one of the biggest things when you give away... Uh, your property, you lose what's called your 121 exemption, which is, if you're single, $250,000 exemption from income tax, $500,000 if you're married, or in some cases, after you lose your spouse. For a couple years, you can still get that $500,000 exemption. Well, guess what? If you've given your home to your children and they need to sell the house during your lifetime, they don't get that exemption. So guess what? You've given them by transferring the house to them. A bunch of income tax that they that you would not have had to pay had you sold the house. <coughs> now, the other thing is if within five years you end up needing nursing care, you've created a huge sanction that can be difficult to deal with. So... What I'm getting at is there are some many, there's, it's easier and better for your children to receive the property at your death. And there's some really good ways to do that where you don't lose these tax benefits. So see a good elder law attorney. That's great advice and advice we've given throughout the show. If you want to get a hold of Bill, you can do so by going to WGA Law. WGALaw.com or calling 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back.
This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, Bill has his next set of webinars happening on Wednesday, October 12th. He does these the second Wednesday of every month. If you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, some of the topics that we talked about today would be uh, a good candidate to attend that webinar if you want to learn more or if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, head on over to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button. Bill's webinars are free, and we hope to see you on Wednesday, October 12th. If you want to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. That will do it for us today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.